T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. One thing that has reared its ugly head in the world of the NFL, we didn't expect it to stay away wholly. But, uh, you know, now it's, it's becoming a little more prevalent and a topic of conversation, and that is the, uh, the world of COVID. And uh, to talk a little bit more about that, and uh, I want to look in the crystal ball down the road. Dr. Rob Citrenberg, executive, media, executive medical director, infectious disease and prevention for Advocate Aurora Health, joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Doc, how you been? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Glad to have you back. So uh, the world we live in, from the time you and I last spoke, uh, it, it's it's been kind of an ebb and flow. Can you kind of tell us where we're at in this, in the pandemic, and in the world of uh, of infections versus mortality rates, and and you know, hopefully on the horizon we have at least an anecdote at some point. Sure. So yeah, I think we've been enjoying a bit of a summertime lull, which we expected because the virus itself tends to be more of a wintertime virus, and people are outside more during the summertime, so there's less opportunity for spread. Uh, what we're concerned about, and we're starting to see again now, with a change in seasons and people are going to be heading indoors more, is a spike in cases. And you're already seeing it right in Wisconsin, where there's a huge spike in cases, particularly around the Green Bay and Oshkosh areas. Uh, and we're starting to see that in other parts of the country as well, too. So we do expect to see surges in cases in different pockets around the country in the next uh, few weeks. Now, uh, the best estimates right now are that about somewhere around 10% of the population has already been infected with COVID-19, which leaves up to 90% of the population susceptible, which is a concern. So, unfortunately, we're not anywhere near the end. We've definitely made a lot of progress in therapeutics, understanding the virus, but we're just not anywhere near the end yet. So uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, I watch every day, I, I think it's, it's I hate to say media-driven, but every day we talk about the spike in cases, those, those that have tested positive. We've all heard horror stories about testing and about retesting. Uh, I got tested. Uh, I turned out I wasn't positive, but I have the antibodies. So at some point or another, I must have had it and been asymptomatic. Um, so I, I guess the question is, for people that are testing positive, Versus the mortality rate, has that rate? Because I, I, I don't see the spike in, in, in deaths, which is good. And you talked about different ways of treating this now. Have we caught up with uh, at least the prevention of, of, of severe illness and death because of this? Well, I think the biggest, the most likely explanation for the lower number of deaths is kind of the, what we call the changing epidemiology of this disease. In the last, last couple of months, the most common age group to be infected is the 20 to 29 age group, 
which is a lot lower than it was initially. And that age group has a very low risk for getting very sick or dying from it. So I think that's why we're seeing not as many hospitalizations and not as many deaths from it because of the changing epidemiology. The concern is what happens if we go back in this winter and it starts to infect people who are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, then we may see an increase in hospitalizations. We've also you know, have made improvements in therapeutics. There's a number of things that we can do now that we couldn't do back in March. So people who end up in the hospital have a lot better chance of doing well and surviving. Um, the mortality rate is something that has gotten a lot of press, and I'll just explain it like this. I, I'm not as concerned about the mortality rate. What I'm concerned about is the actual total numbers of people who are infected. So right now, we think the mortality rate is about 0.5%. That means like 1 in 200 people will die from it. It doesn't seem like a lot. But let's just say, for example, half of the country gets infected. That's about 160 million people at a mortality rate of 0.5%. That's 800,000 deaths. So it's not so much the rate, it's the sheer numbers of people, both in this country and around the world, that have the potential to get infected. Where do you think, I mean, I, well, let me take a step back. How far away are they to a vaccine for this, do you think? Uh, well, it depends who you ask. It depends if you ask the scientists or if you ask uh, politicians, because there's a big scientific political clash right now. There are two vaccines that are probably in the latest stage of development. There's one uh, made by Moderna. There's one made by Pfizer. These are in the latest stages of development. The scientists from those companies don't think these vaccines will be ready until the very end of this year, perhaps even into next spring. Uh, the FDA wants each of these vaccines to be studied so that everybody who gets a vaccine in the trial, we have at least two months of follow-up before the vaccines are even considered to be released. So on that timetable, that puts you probably towards the end of this year, maybe the beginning of next year. Uh, politicians in some circles want to see this vaccine out right away. Uh, the concern is, is, has it been adequately studied? Do we know if it works? Do we know if it's safe? And those questions right now are unanswered. So as I sit here today and I look at, say, Super Bowl and I look at spring training and I look at things early on next year, uh, how do you see them? Uh, I think that they're, the, the best estimates that I, I can come up with right now is that we're probably going to be doing what we're doing with masking and social distancing probably for about another year. We're looking at the second half of 2021, kind of the turnaround time. By that time, we may have herd immunity. We may have vaccines that are in circulation. Uh, up until that time, I think we're going to have a phased uh, reopening uh, of, of sporting events. So maybe come spring training next year, might be looking at hopefully 20% occupancy. I don't think there's any chance right now that come baseball season will have full crowds, stadiums that are full. Uh, Super Bowl, same thing. Anything that's happening in the winter or spring of next year seems very unlikely we'll have full crowds. More hopeful that towards the end of next year, maybe about a year from now, we can start to return to normal in terms of sporting events. Talking with Dr. Rob Sitrenberg, Executive Medical Director, Infectious Disease and Prevention for Advocate Aurora Health. Um, you mentioned herd immunity, and I, I find it interesting. Was it 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I try to read as much as I can, but is it Sweden that just basically said we're going to leave everything open and kind of just see what happens? Yeah, that was the that was a plan in Sweden. They were attempting as best as possible to isolate those people who were at highest risk for getting severely ill. But there really weren't any large scale closings of restaurants or bars or things like that. Um, now that strategy, um, you you can uh, achieve herd immunity faster in that strategy, but it comes at an extraordinary toll. Uh, and Sweden has the highest mortality rate of any country in Europe, okay. not surprisingly. So, uh, in, in fact, in the UK, that was their initial. That was Boris Johnson's initial plan was to just have, let it go, like let it rip, let it go through the community, let's get herd immunity. But quickly backtracked in that. I think when they realized what a significant toll that would take on the population. Okay. Uh, I, I just wanted to check, because that's always something that's brought up, and and I've never heard what the mortality rate was, and it just seemed like everything was fine. And I, I knew that wasn't 100% true, and I wanted to kind of get that out there to dispel any myths or misnomers about it. Um, you know, I, again, I this is just such a weird time that we live in. Do we... When you say we go back to a sense of normalcy, I know already, I know people have received tickets that have been rescheduled and that are going to come in the mail and they're going to have tickets for January and February and March for concerts and things like that. I would assume all this stuff is then again going to be pushed back, right? Sure seems that way. I think most of the uh, uh, those events have been pushed back and it's either very late 2021 or it's 2022 for that exact reason. So people who have rescheduled things like, like trips and weddings and things. And for early 2021, they're going to be pushing those back again. If they want the same number of people there, just don't see any way possible given the current state uh, that we're going to be ready to go by the spring of next year, especially because we're just entering into the winter right now. And it's possible. We're hopeful that it won't happen but it's possible that we can see a big spike in the number of cases and the severity of illness over the winter. So that remains to be seen. But I think we're probably looking about another year uh, before we can really say that we're turning the corner on this. Uh, that was going to be my next question, about another year. So if they come up with, or you, you say, well, scientists are one thing, politicians are the other. I completely agree. But I, And I don't know who is the front runner, as you had mentioned, a couple of companies for uh, a vaccine for this, but let's just say that something pops in November or December. Then what? I mean, is is that all of a sudden? Because a lot of people look at that as that that's then the the virus's white flag to say, okay, you've got us. Uh, go out and enjoy your life again. Uh, how is that going to work? Well, there's first, there's no doubt that having effective vaccines will help to end the pandemic. The question is how fast that will happen, and there's this perception by some people that. If a vaccine comes out Friday, then the pandemic is over on Monday and nothing could be further from the truth. Part of that is there's just going to be supply issues. Even when a vaccine comes out, uh, will there be enough supply to immunize people? The second issue, which I think is not getting enough press, is the demand. How many people will be willing to take a vaccine if it hasn't been studied well enough? The most recent estimates are that anywhere from 30 to 50 percent of the population won't take a vaccine, even if it's available. So I think that if you look at if people want to make sure this vaccine is safe, it's going to take a few months of study. So it's probably going to take another even if a vaccine came out tomorrow, it might take another year to get an adequate number of people immunized in the population 
to be able to curb the pandemic. But in, in the big picture, for sure, vaccines are the, the best tool to end the pandemic. Great stuff as always. I wish it was uh, much, much better news, but uh, at least it's the truth. Uh, Dr. Rob, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for a couple of minutes, okay? Thanks so much. Absolutely. Dr. Rob Citrenberg, Executive Medical Director, Infectious Disease and Prevention for Advocate Aurora Health, and just trying to drop some reality on us. It is what it is, I guess. You know, it's not uh, the best of news, but at least they're starting to get a little bit of a handle on it. Uh, he joined us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard. They treat you fair. 80-plus years they've been getting it done. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.